This is the Nearside Low Podcast, brought to you by Missouri Water Polo. For all highlights, scores, and updates, please visit www.mowaterpolo.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Nearside Low. Nearside Low Podcast, Season 4, Episode. We're going to throw out seven or eight. I don't remember, Ray. Welcome. <laughs> Glad to have you. Yeah, good to see you, Coach. Uh, we are still on Corona Watch, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Um, we are recording, I think, Memorial Day weekend here. We'll release this after Memorial Day. So even though everyone already had their Memorial Day, we hope that you guys had a wonderful weekend and enjoyed it and the weather was good and um, you got outside. School's over. Spring season's over. Um, let's jump into some water polo in the news. Um, Ray, you are connected with USA Water Polo. Tell us what's going on there. Yeah, so uh, there's been a lot of things going on online the last few weeks as we've been uh, kept away from the pools. It's been good to see. I mean, first of all, I want to recognize all the senior salutes that were on Missouri Water Polo. Um, thanks to all those coaches that did that. Uh, we had 16 days of coaches putting out their videos. Steve Adcock um, did an awesome job of getting something up each each day, so we really appreciate his work with that. It was it was great to see that uh, happening. I, I really enjoyed seeing that. I mean, in some ways, I feel like I got to learn a little bit more about the seniors than I would have normally. But uh, it was great to see so much coach participation with that. Um, so we had that going on online. And then also USA Water Polo has been putting out various things each day. And I saw on May 18th, they had Justin Rothermich from the Smet. Uh, he's one of their captains. He was on there talking about Missouri water polo, the growth of water polo in Missouri. Um, he did a really nice job of talking about our area. So um, that was also cool to see that he was getting Missouri some more recognition online. So uh, nice job, Justin. And then I know there's been a number of athletes getting recognition in our area. Um, Coach, I know of at least one. Yeah, well, I want to. Yeah, so uh, we actually we need to talk about STL uh, post dispatch a little bit here. First thing we do, we want to congratulate. They've been doing, I think, basically almost every day. They've been adding like a new scholar athlete. They're giving a little bio about who that person is. And in the past, I don't think they did that, but they've obviously have some time now. So um, we had a water polo um, post dispatch scholar athlete, um, Matt Deutschman from uh, Lindbergh. And this is what Coach Lombardo had to say about him. Matt has been the consummate student athlete. He is a two-sport varsity athlete, captain in both, all-conference in both, all-state in swimming, top 15 of his class. One of the classiest young men Coach Butler and I have had the chance to coach. So um, a big shout-out to uh, Coach Lombardo and uh, Coach Butler for uh, getting to interact and work with uh, Matt Deutschman. So, Matt, congratulations to you. Um, And I don't know if we – I don't think we missed any other Scholar athletes, but if we did – Email us and we will get them. We will talk about them on the next podcast. Um, that being said, though, Ray, you know what I noticed about STL today or the post dispatches? They had this great string of all decade teams for sports, <laughs> but they forgot water polo. And, you know, I thought to myself, boy, wouldn't it be great if Ray and I put together the Near Side Low podcast all decade team? And then I thought, nah, I don't want to muddy the water <laughs> and get, get in trouble. So we're not going to do that. But, uh, you know, if anyone has any contacts with the posters about you, I don't know why they didn't do water polo. Because um, I thought that would have been a good, that would have been, a, that would have kind of fun to read about. Um, it would give them something to do. Um, but we just didn't want to, uh, Ray and I don't want to throw in things to chaos like the all Metro boys decade basketball team did. Uh, because I think there was a lot of hurt feelings over that. So uh, STL today, do better. 
Uh, Ray, <laughs> Ray, do you feel me? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm quite happy not to put together an all-decade team because I'm sure everyone would be in complete agreement with our, uh, our picks on that. So, yeah, but uh, I mean, there, I mean, just I, I was actually thinking about that. I mean, there's been a lot of good players who come from our area in the last decade. I mean, going back all the way to 2010. Um, it, I mean, it would certainly be interesting to see who they would. Uh, choose for water polo, but and for the um, record, folks, Ray did put both of his brothers on first team all decade. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, told him right. that that wasn't right, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, I'm kidding. I, 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 I would have been on it too, but I'm I'm a little too old. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, yeah, so again, congratulations to Matt Deutschman. Uh, and moving on, um, Ray, I I noticed someone just recently started following our Twitter handle on your side low, and it was labeled Lions Water Polo, and I knew absolutely nothing about it. But hey, you're the man in the know, so I know you know a little bit about this uh, Twitter handle and what's going on with that. So tell us a little bit about Lions Water Polo. When I first saw that come across, too, I was not sure what that was, particularly uh, we have Jungle Cat Water Polo, so it's like we're starting another account. But, yeah, so Lions Water Polo is going to be, the, I think, the first only girls team in the area. I know Miguel at SLAP has done an awesome job of developing the girls program at SLAP. Um, but this is going to be Lions Water Polo. I think it's named after a number of their coaches did go play at Lindenwood. I know that. Uh, Abby Vermeer, who was the assistant coach uh, this year at Ledoux, is going to be one of their coaches, um, as well as Dave Miller will be helping over there as well. So it sounds like they're going to really try and push uh, getting more girls playing in our area, um, not only from some of the schools where there's already polo being played, but also um, sounds like they're interested in trying to push it yeah, at some of the private schools and other uh, areas um, where girls polo could stand and grow. So that's a very exciting development. I'm sure that Miguel and some of these other uh, people who are involved with girls water polo are going to be excited to see because uh, being able to play against other girls teams in the area, especially during the club season, I think is um, going to be big. So uh, it looks like they're planning on starting in August, but um, definitely check out their Twitter or check out their website, which is uh, pretty well done um, just to get more info. But uh, it looks like we got more girls water polo coming to our area, which is, is definitely a good good thing. All right, good. Um, so, Ray, I recently received an email from our athletic director, and it was to all uh, Parkway coaches. And it was uh, it was basically some of the leaders in the medical and health field uh, in St. Louis or in the region had come up with kind of a guidelines, um, for how maybe we could bring back youth sports or what we would need to do in order to get to a point where we could start to participate in sports. And I recognized one of the names at the very end of the document. And that was, yeah, that was our, uh, episode two guest, uh, Jason Newland. Yeah, I'm sure so. you all have been seeing on TV, but, uh, yeah, he was go back and check out episode yeah, two. But so it he, was, uh, it was WashU and Mercy and a couple other other people, and and they had put together a guideline. Now, um, Ray, I notice here you've you've tracked that down. We've got phase one, two, three, four. Why don't you touch on that? Um, are we going to get to see polo this summer? What do you think? Yeah, I mean that that was the question that all of us have been discussing, and I, I think the positive from this document is that it does lay out a plan to where we might be able to have some water polo activities toward the end of the summer, but um, clearly it outlines that um, it's going to be a little bit. The way that they set this document up is that there's four phases of return of sports. So um, the first one is, is June 15, 
which is when they say that youth can start playing sports again. Um, but basically at that time, you have to have uh, less than 10 people um, in an area and you still need to maintain social distancing. So, I mean, for, for water polo's sake, that means you can be swimming or maybe passing, but with only less than 10 people in a pool, I think it's going to be hard to do much. And I think a lot of these programs in our area are not going to be able to either get the facilities or have the finances to be able to support paying for pool time for less than 10 people. I know, Coach, you were saying a couple weeks ago that Parkway won't even be open at that time. As of right, I mean, as of right now, yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I don't think we're, we're allowed to even contemplate doing anything until July 6th. And I, I, again, I don't know if, um, I don't see that changing. Um, where can, this is public, yes, this document is? Yeah, yeah. Where could, that? where could, uh, if somebody heard this, we're like, well, I want to read about it. Where could they find that? I know that all our TV stations had articles on this. Um, it is the youth sport recommendation document. So I'm sure if you search online, youth sports recommendation, St. Louis area, look at some of these TV stories, they can link you to the actual document, um, which is nine pages long, but they do a really nice job outlining um, what what needs to happen. But um, I think some of the other takeaways from the document are, so, phase, so they have these phases that you can get more and more contact as time goes on. June 29th, if everything's continuing to go well, would be phase two, which is where you can be a little bit, have more people and be a little bit closer together. July 13th, theoretically, would be the day where we could actually play water polo, um, but they're wanting to keep it amongst teams. And then it sounds like July 27th would be the earliest that you could have actual games. So I think the what this document li- lays out is that there's going to be no summer summer water polo league this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, this also probably uh, makes it evident that the Clayton men's tournament will not be able to continue um, as normal this summer. And we're definitely going to be limited on what we're doing. I know a number of these clubs are currently trying to work out when we could get the pool facilities. I mean, this is all contingent on the pools being open, which is not given. At right. this point there are a lot either. of pools that are not open this summer. So yeah. I, so, I, yeah. Tough. So, so uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm hopeful, but uh, it is basically just outlines though. that it's not, not going to be the same. Situation is fluid. Situation yeah. is fluid. I wish I'd coined that term. Um, anyhow. Uh, so I think that kind of wraps up what we have. Yes. We got anything else, Ray? I don't think we do. No, we don't. All right. So uh, we do have a special guest on, uh, if you fast forward another, I don't know, 30 seconds or so. Uh, But it is Coach Dave Miller. Uh, And most of you probably know Coach Dave Miller has been around water polo in St. Louis for a long time. I remember him from uh, the 90s in Gator water polo when he was coaching at Oakville. Um, And then as a coach, you know, I coached at Melville and just most recently was at Lindenwood. Um, So we sat down with him and learned a little bit about his water polo history and, uh, you know, just some coaching questions and stuff like that. So it's a good listen. Um, and so we're excited to have him on. Here we are, Nearside Low Podcast. Uh, we've got a special guest, uh, one that, you know, uh, Coach, I, I really don't feel like I've ever had a long discussion with you, and you are definitely a St. Louis staple. I mean, I come from the 90s, and I remember you in Gator Water Polo from the 90s in Oakville. Um, so we've got Coach Dave Miller on. Coach, welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. Hey, we're glad to have you. Ray, take it away, man. Yeah, so with all of our guests, we usually like to 
give a little bit of intro, but you obviously have a long history in water polo. So tell us a little bit about how you initially got involved with the game. I played every sport that there was to play uh, just about. And uh, I grew up in Huntington Beach, California. Quite honestly, I just was going into high school and uh, tryouts for football were announced. And I was walking to the football field. The brother of my best friend, uh, older brother, he kind of looked at both of us and called us a couple of weenies and, and said, you guys can't last in water polo one practice. And we said, well, we're going to go try out for football. He said, you can try out for football tomorrow, but I'll bet you you can't, you can't last one practice. So we took the challenge and both of us ended up playing from then on. I'd actually never even heard of water polo before that. You played in high school in California and then went to community college in California as yeah, well? Yeah, went to Golden West, which is one of the best programs in the country. Uh, played for Tom Hermstead for two years. From there, uh, I had a, had a pretty bad car accident and I was out for a year or two. And then I uh, transferred to... Uh, Southeast Missouri and played club at Southeast Missouri. You were a goalie back in the day, right? I started out as a field player for about four weeks. Okay. And we, we had 100 kids in our high school team. Wow. In California, we had, <laughs> we had A's, B's, and C's. I was a C as a freshman. And our B goalie displeased the coach. I don't know exactly what he did because we had two pools and I was in the other pool. And he uh, called me over and said, Miller, get over here. And threw me in the goal. And uh, I didn't think. The rest I, was history. I thought, it was, I thought it was kind of a joke, you know. Yeah. And uh, we're playing balls are whizzing by me right and left. And because at that point I was practicing with a JV and varsity. I started laughing. He said, what are you laughing about? And I said, you know, I can't play this position. He said, you're the starting goalie tomorrow. And uh <laughs> We ended up next day, I played, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Gary Hall. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. He's so, our uh, – I, I got to play against Gary there. Hall the very next day uh, <laughs> at Rancho Alameda. So it was uh, it was an interesting time. And I, I played goalie for uh, up until my senior year. And then we had a real big kid, uh, Howie Johnson, came in. He was a goalie. He was deaf, really big and strong put him at, in, in the goal, and I transferred out into the field at that point. I was able to make that transition pretty good and played there. And then uh, went to next year, went to Golden West, and Hermstead put me back in the goal again. So <laughs> I played my first year in the goal again. And that was, that was pretty good. It, everything went well. And then Howie transferred over as a sophomore, so I went back out in the field again. And I pretty much played in the field from that point forward. Got it. And during those days out in California, I know you were a member of the U.S. Southwest team and you played on some of those national level um, teams. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about that. The system was way different back then. It was pretty political, actually. They didn't have USA Water Polo. Everything was AAU. Uh, it was really quite different. For all the national teams and everything, it basically, with with a few exceptions, was... Uh, was based upon club you played on. So if you were on the best club, you were kind of in the national program. Um, and if you weren't, you know, it, it, you had to succeed. And, and in those days, the Inland Empire and the uh, Phillips 66 and, and El Segundo, these were the best teams in the country. 
I happened to play. Uh, the coaches that I worked at, worked with and everything were coaches at uh, Phillips 66, who at that time donated literally hundreds of thousands of dollars for the different teams, both swimming and, and water polo. And uh, we were a very dominant team, and our A team was actually the Olympic team with a couple of additions, like a superstar from El Segundo, Roy Sari. He played uh, there. But uh, so that was kind of... I started in that program, and that was in that in that area. Monty Naskowski was head coach, and Bob Horn was there, the head coach from UCLA. And I came up from what they called their C division to their B division, and got to the top of the B division. But it, basically, what I was 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 a practice dummy for the for the Olympic team. <laughs> and uh, you know, every day I got to play those guys, and every day they beat the crap out of me. Uh, but I wouldn't have changed it for anything. It was a lot of fun. It was a much different system back then than it is today. I was going to ask what brought you to St. Louis, but obviously it sounded like you went to SEMO, so you probably were an hour away or so, so ended up in St. Louis. Um, and my earliest, you know, I, I think back to the 90s when I played at Daisy, and I remember our crosstown rival Gators, and I know that you yeah. were the head coach there. And I distinctly, one thing I think was so funny, we were like dopey eighth graders, and we we went to Chicago for a tournament at Brothers Rice. And I remember yeah. that Bart Prosser told us, he's like, you know, the Gators came up here. And like, we drove five hours, but we were like, ah, oh, I hope we get to play the Gators. You know, <laughs> it, was like, it was like, it was like, well, so anyhow, but I mean, when did you get involved in coaching? Was that your first stint? Because I know you were at Oakville with your sons and everything like that. Like, kind of tell us how that evolved. When I quit playing at SEMO, I still lived in Cape Girardeau within, that's when uh, Corey was born and I had my older son. I coached the swim team down there. And uh, I taught at the high school for a couple of years, and they hadn't built the pool yet. You probably swam in the uh, Cape Girardeau pool. They hadn't built it yet. And so I was at the high school, and they were getting ready to build a pool. That was kind of supposedly where I was going to transition over in, back into the swimming and water polo world. The mechanism there just wasn't right, and I rejected the the opportunity. So... I coached a lot of baseball, played a lot of baseball, and the boys all played baseball up to that point. When uh, I decided to quit teaching and going into to business, uh, we moved to St. Louis, and uh, I coached baseball for a number of years, and actually I coached football as well. When Corey went into high school, he was going into Oakville, they didn't have a team, uh, and he came home and he said, you know, Dad, I'm going to play water polo next year. I said, how are you going to do that? They don't have a pool. He said, well, we're going to, we're going to play over at uh, Melville. So, uh, and I knew Jerry uh, quite well at Melville, and he had some great teams, you know, uh, Ryan Sanvos and Keith, and Keith and and Lance Clark, and he just had some tremendous players over the year. So I'd been, a, I'd gone and watched a little bit and even tried to help Jerry a little bit at a couple of practices. It was kind of fun. When Corey went to his first practice, I had my own business, and but I could get off in the afternoons uh, that I went over to watch the practice. And the coach there was the swim coach. And actually, Bart Prosser's mother was the assistant coach. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of it, coach Jackson, he was a swim coach. He'd never had any experience with water polo whatsoever. But he was giving it a go. And he was started the program at Oakville. And he was coaching out of a scoreboard magazine. He was looking at the scoreboard and he was trying to come up and 
after practice, I went up to him and I, and I said to him, I've got a little bit of play experience and I've got some time in the afternoons, you know, would you like some help? And he said, he was very gracious. He said, absolutely. And, and it really worked out. You know, I came in as a volunteer for two years until Rob Higgins yelled at me one time for yelling at referees and, uh, and said, now you have to be an official <laughs> coach. And so I became an official coach after two years uh, with a school, took over the OCO program, and um, that was kind of how it got started. So we don't, we, I don't want to date Corey, but what, what, what was his freshman year in high school? We're talking 90? 90, I think. 90, okay, all right. He graduated in 95, I believe. Okay, and so uh, then uh, when did you form, when did you, when did you create Gators? Oh, that first summer right after that. Okay. Uh, that was, uh, there used to be a swim team down there called uh, Most, Melville Oakville uh, swim team. It kind of was the precursor to the Flyers swim team. Right. And, and so I, the only club in town was Don's and Daisy's. Right. And, and, you know, it was a long way for our guys to drive. So I thought the best way to get our guys playing better was to uh, start up the, the Gators program. So for a long time. As you well know, it was just Gators and Daisies. Yeah, yeah. We must have played each other, you know, several dozen times. It was a big robbery, and our goal was always to beat the Daisies. And and really, I don't think we ever did. Uh, so, and that was, that was, you know, the Daisies had some, you know, fantastic players. I mean, they got all of the, most of the South kids and the uh, slew kids, they you peace know, out. You got that right? Peace out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard it. <laughs> so it was, you know, uh, it was it was always challenging. And, you know, I had kids that come from all over the area as well on the Gators program. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. We did a lot of stuff. Uh, one of the stories I remember, and I don't remember if you'll remember this or not, Charlie, we were going to, we hosted you guys to come down to Melville. And we walked in Melville's pool, and it was three feet down from the yeah. from the top of the pool. <laughs> now, the this water. is the old. This is the. I mean, this is like the the kind of concrete jungle dungeon looking place. Yes, or am I thinking of a different? Oh pool? no, you're thinking of Hancock. Hancock. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, after we practiced at Melville, sharing the pool with Jerry was tough. Right. Because uh, he wanted all the time, and so I convinced the AD at Oakville. That we needed a pool somewhere, and they went and got us at Hancock, Hancock which okay. was actually at its day was was a nice pool, right. but right. they just had to let it deteriorate so far. And describing it as a dungeon was pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but that was our home pool, and you know we did pretty well in there. And we used to flood it and and, and play. But no, this was a game between uh, the one I'm thinking of is a game between. Daisies and, and uh, Gators, and we walked in, it was at Melville, because that's where the Gators practice, and we walked in there, the pool, there, it was down like the three feet, so which means that the shallow end was, you could walk in it. And we and, still, uh, did we still play? And we did. Yeah, we did. See, today actually, they'd probably be like, oh, you guys can't get it. Actually, <laughs> luckily we had gotten there a little bit early, and we turned the water on, the, the city water. And we got it back up to where it was about a foot under under the normal depth. 
Uh, but man, it was cold. Yeah. <laughs> it was all city life. <laughs> cold, cold. So, I mean, yeah, we so in your, you've coached a lot of players. I know you also helped a little bit with USA Water Polo, and I think we're involved with developing. I think five players in the national team program, or at least at least a couple. What really stood out about some of the some of the better players that you coached? So it was kind of my first foray into coaching uh, kids from uh, the Detroit, uh, Ann Arbor area. Chicago in uh, St. Louis, those were the three primary areas. And that was kind of when we started the zone program, it all kind of came out of when I was on the board of directors for USA Water Polo. There was a lot of division between the Chicago teams and the St. Louis teams uh, and, the, and the Detroit teams. I think there probably still is, but it was much, it was much worse back then. Uh, before the ODP and all that. There wasn't really a way for kids out of the Midwest to to really qualify for going out and trying out for the national team and so forth. So when I was with the uh, USA Water Polo on the, we came up with a plan for the zone teams. Uh, Coach, what, what year are we at? I mean, late, are we talking 90s or? Yeah, late, late 90s, I would okay. What okay. year did you graduate, Charlie? I graduated 2000. I remember I remember trying out or going to like a zone team practice at Parkway North, but I think it was mainly St. Louis kids, but like ODP didn't exist back then, but I do remember that, the term zone right. team. There, there was no ODP. So we set this up, the national youth team and national junior team. There was no cadets at that point. It was just youth in, and junior and then national team. We got the, the youth teams and the juniors teams kind of as feeder program set up. Now, this is all in conjunction kind of with, with USA Water Bowl. So each zone was to come up with, with a team. At that time, uh, Rick uh, was the uh, zone chairman. Jeff Weimer and I convinced him to start up a zone team uh, from all the different cities and 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 put together like an all-star team, really, right. from all the different areas. I mean, it started out, it was rough, because uh, there was a lot of dissension. Moose Mulcrone, I don't know if you remember that name at all. No. He was coach at Brother Rice. Frank Mulcrone was probably one of the best players I've ever seen in my life, but he went out to nationals, and he would have made the national team easily. But, you know, the costs and everything that, to put up to – go to California and all that stuff to get seen was just outrageously expensive. Just was a disorganized kind of mess at that point. You know, getting this thing started, I had to kind of go out and uh, Rick put uh, Jeff in charge of the women's groups and he put me in charge of all the uh, the, the men's youth and, and junior groups. So I had to go out and work all with the, the local coaches in every area and kind of get buy-in to let them let their kids try out for the zone team. And it, at first, it was no one believed it. Everyone just, oh, it's not going to happen. You know, there's all these divisions and different things. And, you know, you're going to pick one, you know, kids from one area, and that's all it's going to get picked, And which is what had happened in the past. Uh, it worked out. We had these, uh, and you, you mentioned one at Parkway, we had these uh, zone tryouts and tried to make it as fair as we could and it's tough when you're when you've got you know 50 kids coming out and each minute you know each city it's 150 kids and they're trying for a spot of you know 15 players 
you got one weekend to decide who are the, who are the best players. And that's really what it amounted so, to. Yeah. So if the kid had a really good selection camp, he made it on the team. And if he didn't, uh, he didn't make it. And unfortunately, I mean, and I'll be the first one to admit this, I picked some kids that should have not been on the team. And then I missed some kids that should have been on the team. That system was very difficult, but that's what we had in those days. It's the only thing we had. And we kept developing it, changing it every year, trying to make it a little better, make it a little better. Every time the new Olympic coach or national team coach was changed, that system changed as well. All the guidelines were handed down from the, the national team. So uh, I started out with um, uh, John Vargas being head of the program when he was the Olympic coach. And then Vargas uh, was let go and they brought in uh, Radko Rudich. Uh, and he changed it dramatically. A couple other coaches came in, and, and every time that came in, it changed a little bit. To eventually where it is now, it, which is ODP, which is, a, it, it's really, ODP is a much more organized, uh, defined program. And I'm glad to see that it's it's working as well as it is. And that these coaches from the national team are actually coming to the the selection camps and some other things. It was very, very helpful. We didn't have that in the old days. We just kind of had to do it on our own. One of the things I remember on that zone team, I think John O'Sullivan will remember this. I'm pretty, I'm pretty oh, sure God, he yeah. was on that team. O'Sullivan, I'm cutting this out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was on that team. We uh, took a group of uh, high school kids to the senior men's national championships. And I don't know how I got them in the tournament, but we did. And uh, we actually ended up being se beating several college teams. And we got killed by uh, New York AC. But uh, <laughs> we did, you know, our big, our big goal for the day is score on, on New York AC. Nyack. And uh, we did. We, we actually scored, I think, three or four goals. And everybody was coming up to us, what are you guys doing here? You know, because here was a <laughs> here was a bunch of high school kids from the Midwest and we're playing at the senior men's nationals. And to this day, I don't know how we got in the tournament, but it just <laughs> in my ignorance, I signed us up and and the guys really had a great time. I'm sure it's something they'll remember their whole life. It was a uh, it was really it was a really unique experience. So. so a number of your former athletes are still very involved with the sport. Um, I know I, I always enjoyed roughing out at the Lafayette invite every spring. And that, that tournament was pretty much a lot of your former athletes coaching teams. I remember when Corey was over at Ledoux, you had Dan Schoenfeld at Oakville and Jamie Wackerly over at Lafayette. A number of others are still involved with the game. Talk a little bit about what it means to you to see those people still involved. And from our perspective at trying to grow the sport, what do you think was the key? At, especially as you've talked about in South County, I mean, you really contributed to growth the water polo there what should we be doing in some of these other areas to try and continue to grow the sport well that's kind of a 64 thousand dollar question <laughs> you know i i i go to the local tournaments a lot i'm constantly amazed I'll, i will bet that you know 80 90 percent of the time referees coaches at some point or other i coached out at st louis now, it may have been on the zone team or it may have been like when I did some work with, you know, Clayton or or the high schools. I am just really, really glad to see 
the kids grow up and and stick with the sport and support it and uh it, it's uh very gratifying and satisfying for that to happen i mean i look at well, heck, at one time I coached Bart and Lance. They're both referees. Um, yeah, I know. I'm telling you how old I am. Uh, actually, Don and I are about the same age. Don's, I think, a year or two older than me. So between the two of us, we've been around a long time. It's really gratifying to see how many people really are are still committed to, to doing things. And I attribute a lot of that to the Clayton men's team, you know, because they really kind of keep things going once the kids get out of high school and, and college. And it's nice to see. I mean, I really like that group of guys. They've, they've done a nice job over the years. But as far as South County goes, before I even started coaching in St. Louis, South County was a powerhouse. Melville was a powerhouse school. I mean, there was always one of the top schools in the in the high school league. And uh, Jerry just did a unbelievable job there and had some phenomenal athletes that come came through there. But I think what happened um, after I kind of quit coaching in the high school and stuff, and when the new Limburg pool was built, everything kind of shifted from over Melville, Oakville, over to, to Limburg uh, because of the pool situation. And when that happened, the feeder swim teams, the age group swim teams kind of moved out as well. And Polo in at the Melville Oakville area really declined. And uh, because they didn't have these kids coming up, uh, we got a lot of Bosnian kids that live in the area and you know, they came over and they're playing soccer. They're not playing water polo. To really build the sport in the air, we need more age group swim teams out in this area, honestly. Yeah. I mean, you know, Parkway's got the, the Parkway team and, and Rockwood's got Rockwood and, Clayton has got the Clayton Shaw Park, and it really is key for polo is to get these kids when they're when they're very young and swimming, getting them, getting them ready, and then transfer them over kind of into polo because they want to play a ball game. And when I was the president of uh, Missouri Water Polo, uh, the, one of the first things I did was try to start a uh, a youth league, um, and it was kind of before its time, and it really was disorganized to be honest with you i didn't didn't do as good a job as i could have but what we tried to do is go out to all the country clubs and give them balls and and go out and take some of the players out of the upper players of the high school and get them to go to these country clubs and work with the kids and try to get them going and, it, and we had quite a few country clubs that were doing stuff and then that kind of evolved uh, back into strike zone and then uh, the youth the youth programs that are you know jungle cats and Daisy head for a while and, and uh, slap obviously and now there's several others uh, that uh, you know that are in in that group and I think we got to continue doing that youth things I'm really happy to see the the new Lions Club where the girls get start to get organized I think that'll be great for the area we get our girls playing you get enough girls, maybe we can get it as uh, an official high school school emerging sport. I yeah, mean, uh, yeah. We we've talked about that a lot on the podcast in the past. I feel like that's kind of a a definite avenue that the boys have. We've kind of been stuck in. I, I don't know. I mean, when I played, I felt like there were probably about twenty to twenty five team high school wise, and we're still at that. Uh, I feel like if we kind of open up an avenue 
for girls polo, I, I think it would actually help the boys grow also. Because if schools are going to add a sport, you know what I mean? Uh, oh, we'll add something for the girls. Well, it's water polo. Let's add it boys too, you know? So well, I don't know. I never really had a, a chance to coach just straight girls until I got to Lindenwood. I mean, we at Gators, we did have, we did play a couple tournaments with just girls. And it was fun, but it wasn't, wasn't as organized as it should be. Mostly the girls played with the guys. And, right. you know, they, it was tough for them. Yeah. But when I got to Lindenwood and just coached straight girls, the, the girls are tough. I mean, they... They really, they really get into it, and it, it, they're serious about it, and it's actually quite fun to watch them. They're not as fast, they're not as strong, but that doesn't make them any less athletic. You, uh, you mentioned Lindenwood, and we did want to touch on that a little bit. Obviously, we, uh, we weren't happy with how that ended, but um, you had a lot of success there. You know, four national titles. Um, and I know uh, a lot of those kids were helping out refing and stuff. And just I, I knew some of the players you had and I knew they were talented. So what was your what was your key to success there? Like, why were you guys so dominant? And like, what, what were you guys doing that was so working so well? I was talking to Ray about this a little bit earlier. Uh, the philosophy at Lindenwood when I first started there, kind of unique compared to other colleges around the country is that they treated their club sports much like their varsity sports. So they supported them financially. So we were able to bring players in from all over the world, literally. They didn't have to pay travel costs. They didn't have to pay, you know, all equipment, pool room, all that stuff. That was one step. The other thing is we did get some really talented players from around the world that could lead and, and be those uh, as the younger guys came in, can kind of lead them in uh, and learning the different skill sets that were required, the mental capacity that they needed to develop to, to really play at a high level. That was also very important. The single biggest problem I had at, at Lindenwood uh, as a coach was that we had a ton of different amounts of cultures, and all of them had different playing styles. Our Spaniards, played different than our Serbians. Then we got the Hungarians, then we had the Croatians, South Africans, we had Southeast uh, Asians come in. We had kids from Panama and Central America, Brazilian. Uh, bringing all these players in, and they all had skills of various levels. To get them to play in the same system was a challenge. I had to, I had to really change the the team culture overall merge all these these cultures together and come up with a team culture and that was probably the single biggest uh challenge that i had well the and the other thing is i mean we spoke seven different languages on our team communication sometimes can be a little rough even though one of my servings could speak english um it was a very difficult broken english uh, and some were better than others. I mean, I look at Tony Sorek, you wouldn't know he wasn't from here. He spoke like three or four languages and English was clear as a bell. So that was kind of a challenge, getting everyone to communicate together uh, and play on the same wavelength. And quite honestly, I mean, my first year, 2015, that was the transition year. I came in and kind of after the season had already started and we were leaving on... Wednesday to go to the national championships, and they were still fighting amongst themselves on Monday. You know, trying to get that group 
to play as a unit uh, and play together and support each other was our biggest challenge. And uh, they came through unbelievable the way they played in, in Santa Cruz that first year. They ended up winning the national championship. We did it with Tony got thrown out in the second quarter of the final game. And he definitely was our primary leader. And we still were able to get the job done. Tony got out. I mean, they just all kind of deflated. And and uh, I was I managed to be able to, hey, look, Tony's one player out of, you know, we got 25 guys here. And so the rest of you guys on the bench got to pick him up. And they ended up doing it, and we won the national championship. And that whole team from that point forward uh, gelled. I mean, they they were they were a unit from that point, and they were pretty much uh, I don't want to say invincible, but they didn't lose. Uh, you know, they went 128 10 and one. And the 10 that they lost uh, was to all you know top top level teams. And uh, I mean, we lost to Gannon once, and we beat them twice. They they were the best Division two team in the country. Coach, obviously, you know things didn't work out at Lindenwood. Uh, what's your next step? Are you are you retired for good? Or are you uh, are we going to see you stomping around the pool deck anytime soon? Oh, I'm sure you'll see me around the pool deck somewhere. You know, the the years I was at Lindenwood are some of the most fun I've ever had, and I don't uh, want to just disparage the school at all. They've gotten some issues with enrollment and some other things that the reason they had to cut the, get the program. They're actually still, I believe, may still be a team there. Yeah, uh, those are the rumblings I've heard, so yeah, let's hope so. They, they put it together, and with some of the parents and stuff, they've got commitment from the athletic department to at least pay their CWPA uh, dues, and, and the big thing will be pool rental. There's, there still may be a team there. My Going forward, I'll be somewhere. I'll either referee, I'll coach a high school team, or um, I am. I have applied in another uh, college. In actually, right before our session today, I had my second interview there. So that seems to be going pretty well. I don't know, you know, what the next step will be, but if I'll make the cut, they're recruiting from all over. The United States, but I'm, I'm kind of hopeful. I, I'd like to. I'd like to keep going. This is what I do. It's a hobby. Uh, I'm technically retired, <laughs> and so I mean, I've been coaching water polo so long. I can't see quitting as long as my health holds up. All right, cool. Well, Coach, we uh, Ray, you got anything else you want to add? No, we don't. We're lucky to have you in St. Louis, and we sure as heck hope we're going to see you at some pool somewhere, whenever that might be. And if you are reffing, Coach, I won't yell at you. I promise. <laughs> All right? <laughs> That's what yellow cards and red cards are for. Yeah. Her. <laughs> and he's not afraid to pull it out, folks. <laughs> you know, I, I did referee for quite a few years when I quit. Well, my business grew to a point where I really couldn't coach at Oakville any longer. And uh, so I did referee during those times. It, refereeing is a tough job. And I think every coach should actually have to do it uh, for a year or two. <laughs> and I've yelled at referees as much as anybody, believe me. But I mean, I respect all the referees. I never made it personal. I mean, I'll argue with you over a point in the game. Uh, but again, never make it personal. And uh, I, I respect all the referees. I mean, Good, bad, indifferent, they're 
were needed to play the game. We don't need to chase them off because we're a little bit intolerant. I mean, I always wanted to kind of start up a mentor program with Missouri Water Polo when I was ahead there. And I get coaches like Don and myself and, you know, a couple of others have been around for a long time uh, just to go in and help some of the newer coaches coming online. Because yeah. uh, I think they need that. You know, somebody that just wants to promote the sport. We'll see. I don't know. All right. Well, I'm open to all options at this point. All right. Well, let's go. Best of luck. Uh, Ray, uh, your side low podcast. This is Charlie. This is Ray. And we are signing off.